You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze the various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, DLTs, and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about an aspect of DeFi that is at the core of how decentralized exchanges function today. And that is the concept of automated market makers. So to understand the concept of automated market makers, let's start with the very basics. So uh, let's start with what is a market? A market is a place where two or more parties come together to buy and sell goods and services. And markets have been existing in society for thousands of years for buying and selling all kinds of things such as grain, vegetables, fish and meat to more sophisticated markets today such as markets for stocks, bonds, commodities and many other things. So in any market the two most fundamental players are the buyer and the seller in a regular exchange whether it be for stocks or cryptocurrencies you have what is known as an order book so basically the buyers come in and place their buy orders the sellers come in and place their sell orders and the exchange facilitates the trade by matching the buy orders with the sell orders and um uh, in this process the exchange charges a small commission for every trade that happens by matching these buy and sell orders so in this case the centralized exchange is doing what is known as market making by matching the buy orders with the sell orders right so now coming to what an automated market maker is so like we mentioned before automated market making is the key technology that allows decentralized exchanges to function In a centralized exchange you have the exchange as a platform where the buyers and sellers come place their orders and these orders are matched with each other by the exchange but in an automated market maker or amm as they are called the trade is not facilitated by matching buy and sell orders rather the buy and sell orders are fulfilled by a smart contract that runs on a pricing algorithm so any time a buyer is looking to buy something or a seller is looking to sell something they don't look at any buy and sell orders in an order book rather they simply interact with a smart contract that tells them what will be the price of the asset that they are looking to buy or sell so uh, if a buyer is looking to buy something the smart contract will provide it to them at a certain price if the seller is looking to sell something the smart contract will buy it from them at a certain price so before we go into how an automated market maker works Uh Nikhil can you explain for our audience what is the significance of automated market makers today and what is the advantage you know that that this kind of market making offers over uh the traditional method of using order books right uh, so like you pointed out KK an automated market maker is based on an algorithm and why is this actually quite relevant is that you know so market makers like you pointed out are there even in uh, the real finance right real world finance but most of them are real world entities physical the people who are kind of doing these uh, market making uh, activities they will have an exchange 
and there is an order book and then you do the uh, matching right of uh, buyers and sellers so this obviously puts some natural constraints on this so you you obviously have things like okay geographical constraints so you can't have a exchange that uh, is running uh, globally for example or running across all time zones for example because obviously with human beings and uh, thing you 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 have time zone differences and uh, you have uh, geographical differences uh, that kind of restrict the size of your market right so right. the order book generally uh, is restricted uh, to a small or to a particular geographical area or a country or uh, a time zone or whatever and uh, the other thing about an order book essentially is that uh, because it is matching uh, buys and sell uh, buy orders and sell orders uh, in real time or uh, you you have to have a person who's willing to buy something at a particular price and a person who's willing to sell something at that particular price right and, and then basically you have to adjust yourselves based on that so that uh, itself introduces some friction into it so when you think of blockchains and defi right you're thinking in terms of a global market where people are going to be available online wanting to do uh, operations operate on on that blockchain 24 7 uh, 365 without any kind of restrictions right and uh, since it is a digital order uh, seconds matter right it it it, uh, it is very hard to kind of build a order book business that is uh, having the kind of scale and volume across all time zones and all geographies that kind of satisfies this right right and then uh if you look again at traditional finance they have the privilege of basically trading in well understood uh mediums of exchange right so it is us dollars or pounds or uh, national currencies mostly right right so there, there's there's no new token and even even the uh, even the process of creating a stock or bringing a particular new token into the market for trading uh, is a long one right so there is an ipo process and there is a legal thing and all of that all of these are extra frictions uh, that we don't really need in a decentralized market so order books and the order book uh, philosophy was always going to be a source of friction in defi right because it's it's optimized for a different paradigm so the idea of an automated market maker is extremely powerful for defi because it actually removes the friction and the human element from it and and kind of delegates it to this particular algorithm it has its cons obviously but uh, for the large part it kind of provides that ready made immediate buyer uh, for or seller uh, as the case may be for uh, any kind of trade that you want right so it is make it uh, amms for example make it possible to do uh, exchange multiple exchanges route your uh, so if you have tokens uh, for example if you have some uh bat tokens and you want to exchange it for 
I don't know, some uh, polka dot, uh, dot tokens, right? Right. Uh, 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 it is it is possible through automated market makers to either find a pair that that, that a market maker that actually does that uh, exchange for you, or even to combine multiple market makers that will help you kind of say convert from your bat tokens to an intermediary currency, and then from that uh, token to dot, right? And and then do that in an automated manner so that it is seamless and transparent to you. So, so for all of this, basically, uh, th- these reasons, uh, order market mar- automated market makers, when they came in and were introduced, really took off because that, that kind of provided the uh, lubrication, so to speak, required to get mm-hmm. uh, DeFi off the ground. So now let's look into basically how automated market makers work. So uh, let's start with what a liquidity pool is. As the name suggests, a liquidity pool is meant to be a common pool that provides liquidity for an asset or cryptocurrency. Uh, So as we discussed, an AMM does not work by matching live buy and sell orders using an order book. Rather, uh, the smart contract running the AMM decides on the buy or sell price for an asset by tapping into the available liquidity of that asset in the liquidity pools. And also, depending on who is eligible to provide liquidity for the AMM, uh, AMMs can be of different types. So, for example, uh, in some AMMs, a liquidity pool can be deployed by any person in the network. And uh, also, any regular trader can provide liquidity to those liquidity pools. Whereas, in some other AMMs, uh, liquidity can be provided only by certain select professional market makers. In, In those cases, not anyone and everyone will be allowed to provide liquidity in such AMMs. So uh, that's about liquidity. Now coming to the pricing algorithm used by the smart contract for determining the buy or sell price for an asset. Um, There are many different algorithms that can be used to do this. But uh, one of the most popular algorithms that is used by many AMMs today is called the constant product formula. Uh, Nikhil, can you explain in greater detail, you know, how all of this works? Right. So, like you pointed out, so the constant product formula uh, is uh, one of the first and the basic algorithms that I used. In fact, it is the algorithm behind Uniswap and SushiSwap, for example, right? And uh, Sorry to cut you there, Nikhil. Yeah. I just had to ask this question before I forget. So, uh, you mentioned the Uniswap and SushiSwap, right? So, for our audience, could you also just touch on why all of these DEXs are actually called swaps, like instead of being using the word trade, right? Like Right. So, actually, uh, so if you look at it, Uniswap was literally started out as a smart contract, which did swaps between two assets, right? So, the swap comes from the fact that that smart contract basically could deal with two different tokens and it provided a automated market maker uh, algorithm that handled uh, two two products right so so when i mean by products is two tokens so it would uh, in uniswap it is usually ethereum and a different token and you can have uh, ethereum and bat you can have ethereum and wrapped btc you can have ethereum and uh, maker for example so so there's there's a whole bunch of them right so but in each it, that each one of those is basically a separate uh, smart contract with a swap 
uh, and, and and you're allowed to swap only between those two, right? So that is the idea and the name the bit between the name, right? So Uniswap essentially was a swap between Ethereum and another token. SushiSwap uh, is a fork of Uniswap, so therefore it took the swap name, I guess, and it uh, wanted there was this entire food meme around sushi swap um, so right that's how that that kind of got the name sushi i guess mm-hmm. uh, but to get back to the point basically uh, the basic formula that is being used is x into y is equal to k where x is one token y is the other token and the product of the two basically is a constant value k right so uh, the idea of the swap or the AMM is that uh, the algorithm tries to maintain the product. So the, the, the amount of token X and the amount of token Y should equal to the, the product of the two should equal to uh, this constant value, right? So as somebody goes, so so let's take an example. So suppose, suppose I want to buy some X from the pool, right? So, mm-hmm. um, what I would do is I would go to the smart contract and say, hey, okay, I want to buy 10 of token X from a pool. And let's assume that the pool uh, has a 100 of X and 100 of Y and the product of the two, so 100 uh, square, which is 10,000. If you look at the constant product algorithm that the AMM is trying to maintain, the product of X and Y should equal to 10,000, right? Right. And so if I'm actually going to buy, uh, buy 10 uh, of X, uh, I'm going to uh, supply, I have to supply something in return, right? So I'm basically going to give so much Y in return for that much X. So uh, what will happen there is there is a dynamic realignment. So uh, I think a better way of thinking about it is uh, to go about it and say, hey, okay, I have 10 of Y and I want some X. I don't know how much X I'm going to get, but I have 10 of Y. So I will give that 10 of Y to the uh, to the uh, AMM smart contract, right? Mm-hmm. So now it will have, instead of 100, 100 Y, it will have 110 Y, correct? Right. So what, what it will do is it will go and uh, divide. Uh, so to find, to uh, determine how much, if it has 110 Y, <clears throat> how much of X should it have to maintain uh, the value, uh, maintain the constant value of 10,000, right? So it'll have to go. So what you do is you'd go take 10,000 divided by 110 Y that you have now to come up with what is the value of X. 90.9. Right? So 90.9 of X uh, should be available for it. Right. So what can be returned for the 10 Y that I gave would be 100 minus 90.9, right? So right. I would get 9.1 X. Right. So that it so, can basically maintain that 90.9 and so that 90.9 into 110 still uh, maintains the product it, as uh, 10,000. comes up to 10,000, uh, 10, 10, the, the constant value, right? Right. And this is how basically uh, it maintains the relative price of X and Y, right? So that's basically right. how that kind of works. And uh, it, it keeps this balance up and obviously... How do you actually uh, 
increase the size of the pool basically is that uh, you have a liquidity provider so uh, if you uh, like you pointed out it depending on the pool they can be special individuals or liquidity providers or it can be just a regular trader but the idea there is then you sign up to be liquidity provider you get you provide an equal amount of x and y and that kind of raises this value of k right so if instead of now uh, 100 uh, x and 100 y you add another 100x and y say okay I, I say i participate and i say okay i'm going to add another 100x and 100y uh, then basically now it is 200 into 200 and you get uh, 40000 right so that's the new k that needs to be maintained now every time you do a trade right so every time somebody goes and says okay i have 10y i want so much give me a certain amount of x when that transaction happens, a small percentage uh, tax is charged on that transaction. So this is the incentive for the liquidity provider to provide liquidity, right? So why would I want to give 100x and 100y into a liquidity pool? Uh, it's because I will be able to earn uh, a, a proportional percentage of the total tax uh, that is charged on all the transactions that are happening, right? Right. So that that is basically my incentive and uh, depending on how the uh, economy of uh, e the economics of that works and uh, the overall you know price variations of crypto works uh, that might turn out to be a good uh, investment or a bad investment so like i was saying uh, you have uh, Two uh, the pairs basically are the two tokens that you're trading with. Uh, when you do the trade, there is a certain amount of tax or a fee that is charged for each transaction. These fees are aggregated and uh, given to uh, the liquidity providers who provided that liquidity uh, and uh, they are shared out. And the percentage of uh, that fee that you get right is known as the yield right so if you say uh, every liquidity pool basically has a different percentage uh, so if i say okay uh, i'm going to uh, provide so much x amount of liquidity uh, so uh, 100 100 of x and 100 of y uh, maybe my percentage yield is one percent or five percent or uh, something in which case basically uh, that percent of my uh, invested value would be provided to me in the form of yield, right? So mm -hmm. that's that's generally how that that works. So it's a it's a propo, uh, uh, this, this is how, this is the this is the economic milieu in which this particular thing works. Uh, now, one of the things obviously is that. Uh, as the liquidity pool becomes larger and larger, so if the more and more liquidity there is in a pool, the more stable the price becomes, right? Right. Because if you took our example, remember uh, earlier where we uh, I provided ten of y, and we did the calculation, and I got only nine point uh, one of x, right? Um, mm -hmm. That shows that there is a significant impact, even with a hundred of a value right? Uh, right if the values are small the impact is significant right so mm -hmm. if, if it had been in, in instead of 100 if it had been like i don't know 
a million of x and a million of y in the pool and uh, k was a million into a million which is 10 followed 10 raised to 12 uh, then basically asking for a, a providing 10y would not have that much impact right and you would get a much uh, you would get a much more uh, stable value of uh, x in return right you would probably get right. a very similar amount of x so right. the, the a, swing wouldn't happen you know yeah, from this, time to time yeah, based. The, the impact of the uh, of the exchange on the price would not be that high right, right. So that's known as the price impact right mm -hmm. so every time uh, uh, you make a transaction on an uh, AMM, it impacts the relative price of both these tokens and the larger the size of the pool or the larger the size of the AMM, the smaller that impact is, right? Now, obviously, uh, if you even if you have a million, if you're making like large transactions, that will have a significant impact. This definitely has a risk right so that is the risk that liquidity providers uh, get into there's actually another kind of uh, risk that uh, liquidity providers have uh, which is essentially the fact that uh, they are locking in their assets at a particular price right so you're basically saying hey okay uh, in the amm or the uh, automated market maker let's say it is an automated market maker between a stable coin and ethereum so this kind of is more of a so like if it is die versus it and and ethereum as a pair you'd put in and i say okay i put in a uh, 100 ethereum and i put in twenty thousand die right and this kind of assumes that the price of ethereum is 200 dollars because obviously die is tied to the dollar so the problem here is uh you're now locked in at that particular price, right? So you're locked in right. into that AMM at that particular price, and that's what the price is being offered at. Now, for whatever reason, externally, uh, if the value of uh, Ethereum appreciates, right, uh, there is an arbitrage opportunity, right? So now an mm -hmm. arbitrage trader can come in and basically say, okay, I'm going to buy some Ethereum at the 200 uh uh, from this AMM and the AMM basically is using the 200 value uh, so the, the ratio of 200 uh, die per uh, Ethereum right so it, he will basically give 200 die and get close to one Ethereum uh, back and then he can go to a uh, Binance or any other DEX or any other uh, coin secure or wherever right and, and kind of directly trade that Ethereum uh, for be a higher value right and he will be able to get make money on that arbitrage trade right that basically so 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 when you look at it from the uh, liquidity providers perspective on that transaction that the arbitrage trader did on the amm they did make some money right there is a certain amount of fees that they made but that fee might be smaller than what they would have got or what the value of that of that of the ethereum they would would have been if they had just simply held it right, right. so that value is what is known as impermanent loss and the reason why it is impermanent is that if if they continue to keep it in the liquidity pool right mm -hmm. the arbitrage trader that is doing these kind of trades will drive up the price of 
uh, Ethereum in the AMM because of that formula, right? So it will right. uh, every time he goes and buys more Ethereum, the uh, uh, the cost of Ethereum will go up because. Uh, there is less Ethereum in that uh, formula in the X into Y, right? So they mm-hmm. they will be able to keep buying only until it makes sense for them, right? After some some time, uh, the value would be the same, and there's no sense in buying it uh, from the AMM. So uh, the impermanent loss basically is considered impermanent because over time the pool basically balances out, right? So the liquidity pool basically starts matching the price and if there are other people coming in at that particular higher price and uh, other liquidity providers coming in and uh, the original liquidity trader basically pulls out of the liquidity pool at the right time he will be able to pull it out at that particular price right at the correct price Mm -hmm. so it's impermanent loss only for that short window of time where the arbitrage opportunity is. So once the arbitrage opportunity is gone, it means that the pool has balanced out and has, has, is reflecting that higher price and therefore his uh, Ethereum, quote-unquote, uh, will continue to be at that higher price, assuming more people are coming in to, to maintain that ratio. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'll just quickly touch on some of the other uh, formula as well. I mean, the one that you just described, it's called Constant Product Market Maker, uh, also abbreviated to CPMM. So just like this, there's actually some more uh, algorithms. So for example, the CSMM, which is Constant Sum Market Maker, in which uh, the sum of the reserves will always be a constant, not the product. Right. So uh, however, I, I think not many DEXs are using this algorithm because it's not very profitable. The reason for this being that, you know, since the sum will always be constant, you cannot have the liquidity of any asset increase infinitely. So, uh, for example, the equation is x plus y is equal to c. And if y becomes zero, then x is stuck at a constant, right? Like it, it cannot uh, increase all the way up to infinity or, you know, it cannot increase to a high number. So, uh, that's one of the reasons why this formula is not really used in any uh, AMMs uh, as of right now. Then you have something called CFMM, which is Constant Function Market Maker. So uh, the, the one that you just described, Nikhil, the, the constant product market maker is, is a more suitable algorithm to use when, you, when you're dealing with uh, assets that have volatile prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in case of stable coins, where the price is not very volatile, uh, for example, uh, in an in a AMM like Curve.Finance, uh, uh, where you're dealing with stable coins, a better alternative to CPMM, the constant product one, uh, is a hybrid constant function market maker, uh, which is basically a mix of constant product market maker and constant sum market maker. So it kind of uses the properties of both, uh, you know, to get the best of both worlds. Right. And then you have something called CMMM, which is uh, also called the constant mean market maker. So this one, unlike product, it actually utilizes geometric mean. It's used by another protocol, popular protocol called balancer. So for example, the the formula for this would go as x into y into z, the cube root of that is equal to c because, you know, you have three entities called x, y, and z. And uh, you can even increase the number of assets. You you don't have to stick to three. You know, you can, let's say if you had six of them, right? So x into y into z into a into b into c and the sixth root of this uh, is equal to a constant. So uh, this specific algorithm was kind of revolutionary 
because uh, it allowed for more than two assets to be in the same pool, uh, unlike Uniswap. You know, effectively, you could create all kinds of custom pools depending on which assets you choose, you know, to be a part of that pool. Right. So this is just to touch on uh, some of the others that, that are there uh, in the market. Right. And and actually, this reminds me, so I touched upon this a little bit earlier also, but there is this concept of routing, which makes AMM so powerful, right? Mm-hmm. So we talked about uh, swaps and the fact that it, it's based on a pair of tokens. It it used to it it was there there are protocols in fact actually there are meta uh, smart uh, contracts and meta protocols uh, like one inch for example that uh, right. uh, go through and t- give you the best way to kind of exchange between two tokens so if you have for example if you have a bad token and you want to exchange it into I don't know a sushi token. Uh, or nor uh, or even a, a die token right so uh, uh, so if you want to convert from bat into die you may not have a pair available uh, in uniswap or uh, so that does that directly but you may have pairs between uh, bat and ethereum and ethereum and die for example right and then basically so one inch kind of is a protocol meta protocol that goes through all the liquidity pools and try, tries to find the best way to kind of route the conversion so that you get the best value for the the, the conversion that you want and uh, that is really popular uh, until balancer came along and balancer kind of upends that whole model because now you have a way to directly convert between X number of uh, tokens, right? So you have that many token right. uh, combinations that you can actually look at. So if you have X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C, uh, you can have X, A, X, B, X, C, Y, A, Y, B, Y, C, uh, Z, A, Z, B, Z, C, right? All of those basically are one conversion away, right? So it's it's a right. direct pair swap that you can do instead of having to route multiple across multiple liquidity pools. So that's that's kind of uh, one of the superpowers of Balancer. Right. So let's talk about the market a little bit. I know we, we mentioned a lot of different uh, AMM protocols and these different DEXs that are using these algorithms. So let's just go a little bit into the history of, you know, how these AMMs got started, right, in, in the crypto space. Sure. So uh, as we mentioned earlier, you know, among the various DEXs that are out there, uh, Uniswap is the largest one by market cap, roughly $16 billion or so uh, as of recording this episode. Also, Uniswap was one of the early ones uh, using an AMM, although not the first one. Uh, in fact, I believe back in 2017, Bancor was the first project on Ethereum that utilized an automated market maker. And uh, Uniswap began somewhere around 2018. So anyway, uh, after Uniswap gained popularity around 2020 or so, when uh, DeFi was becoming this new big phenomena in the crypto space, another protocol called SushiSwap uh, became immensely popular as well. SushiSwap was founded by a pseudonymous founder named Chef Nomi. The key advantage that SushiSwap projected over Uniswap uh, was that it offered better incentives to uh, the network participants in, in terms of revenue sharing. Also, uh, SushiSwap offered greater incentives to its participants for depositing Uniswap's Unitokens to the smart contract. So uh, this effectively started to suck out liquidity from Uniswap, in turn increasing its own liquidity. 
Uh, and this sort of an attack came to be uh, popularly known as a vampire attack. It was like uh, compared to a vampire sucking blood out of you, right? Uh, and uh, seeing the success of Sushi Swap, it led to a large assortment of food tokens to come out. So most of these were basically clones of Uniswap uh, with some minor variations. You had, you know, all these different ones, everything from uh, Burger Swap, Hot Dog Swap, Pizza Swap. Uh, there was Yam Finance, uh, Pancake Swap, Bakery Swap, and many others. So as the whole food token trend caught on, it was pretty evident, you know, at that point that this whole thing was forming into a big bubble. <laughs> and uh, so as expected, uh, a lot of these coins basically crashed and burned pretty fast. And also, uh, there was this whole controversy of SushiSwap's founder doing a rug pull. And uh, it when it was still early days, uh, you know, for the project. So uh, apparently he took some funds that were meant to be for the development you know, of the project and then he quit the project. Uh, but then later he came back uh, and he apologized to the community and uh, he also returned the funds. I, I believe as of today, SushiSwap is running pretty well. They have a new team that's running it and uh, they have a market cap of around $1.5 billion as of right now. You know, also, if you look within the top 100, there's another project called PancakeSwap, which runs on the Binance smart chain. So, uh, Nikhil, could you tell from your perspective, you know, where you think the DEXs with automated market makers stand today? And uh, how do you see the future unfolding for them in the coming years? I think it is quite pretty established that the uh, concept of an automated market maker and uh, is going to be a core part of uh, digital decentralized exchanges, right? And uh, I, I guess the main things like drug pulls and the uh, unscrupulous stuff of fraud that happens is part of the way in which kind of like that market kind of shakes out. So if you look at Uniswap, Uniswap uh, was the one that first really popularized DeFi on Ethereum, right? It's it's because Uniswap was around that a lot of these other protocols uh, and uh, these other products uh, started getting in, getting some traction because one of the things that you could do uh, with an automated market or liquidity pool is that okay I could kind of then create a new concept or a new product uh, that I uh, smart contract that I deploy and uh, basically uh, immediately kind of set up a liquidity pool around the token that uh, drove that particular product right so if i had uh, i don't know uh, a new financial derivative or a synthetic uh, market or a futures market that i wanted to create i i could set up this particular smart contract uh, that handled that particular that did the 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 uh, the basic workings of that particular market and the token that drove that particular smart contract, I would be able to immediately list on Uniswap uh, by just putting in putting it against Ethereum, for example, or uh, putting it against DAI, for example, and create this uh, immediate liquidity pool that anybody could then access, put in DAI or put in Ethereum and immediately get the token that I had, right? So previously, what people had to rely on airdrops and uh, uh, offline marketing and somehow getting putting pushing uh, uh, the the tokens that they wanted to pop uh, the the tokens that drove that particular uh, product into the hands of the public now you have a very smooth and very 
powerful mechanism of doing that and also by the way a great great way to kind of do the price discovery necessary right so you put the uh, uh, token uh, and the the, 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 you put the token pair out in the world and uh, if your product is good uh, the price of that particular of your token will start going up right and uh, the price discovery is seamlessly happening inside that AMM that you have set up so uh, I think that uh, AMMs and DEXs basically uh, or other liquidity pools for example are, are kind of like going to be a fundamental piece to the whole architecture of building uh, a decentralized uh, financial world right uh, the the other aspect of it also is that uh, it's and uh, it's so uniswap is basically built on ethereum and it's focused on ethereum you pointed out pancake swap that was built on the binance chain sushi swap is a little uh, uh, has actually evolved a lot. Uh, it is actually now uh, available on both Binance Chain and on uh, Ethereum and on uh, uh, Polygon and on Polkadot, and it's it's kind of like uh, trying to become the you know uh, go-to uh, AMM or go-to DEX for uh, a bunch of different uh, blockchains, so that you know that that kind of uh, adds to the value of that particular uh, protocol and network right so the, the the as a concept i think amm came at the right time kind of was one of those hidden accelerators that really allowed defi to uh, grow very quickly and uh, i i see that uh, only continuing uh, the sophistication of the algorithms are going to go up and uh, obviously, the risks associated to it will also be need to be evaluated. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the cons like impermanent loss and slippage and all of these other things, uh, they're going to have to be dealt with. But uh, I see a lot of energy being put into dealing with that. So I'm, uh, I have uh, good confidence that uh, this is going to be around and this is going to be a powerful way to kind of grow the DeFi space. All right, folks, that concludes our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode on automated market makers. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify. And also, you can learn more about us on bcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.